Thank you for joining me for the Sermon of the Week. Coming to you from Studio B, housed inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Leg of the Ozarks. 728 North Main Street, Lori, Missouri, if you want to come see us. Why wouldn't you? Sermon of the Week is brought to you by the new old school podcast and church at the MHC. Join me today as we revisit our Sunday morning service, October 10th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today's Sermon of the Week is Sons, Not Servants. This is part one of three. Today, we're going to look at the road. There is no more important in the church today, not, you know, church universal, uh, Christianity, if you will. No, no, no more important title in Christianity than in Christianity than the sons and daughters of God. Prophet is not more important. Teacher is not more important. Evangelist is not more important. There is there is nothing more important than being a son or a daughter. Now, in that sons and daughters, you may be a prophet. You might be an evangelist. You might be a teacher. You might be a pastor. Uh, but I came out of a generation of church, and maybe some of you did too, and there's still some, I'm sure, that think this way, that placed more importance on a title than the relationship. They, they placed great importance, and not that titles shouldn't be respected, and not that they shouldn't be recognized. The Bible put them in there, right? I mean, they're, they're in there to, to, to see. Um, but you were to, to just respect somebody simply because of a title alone, not because of the works they did, not because of the results they were getting, um, not because of, of um, you know, not because they're just a fellow brother or a sister. You were to automatically swallow anything they, they said just because and fill in the blanks of their title. They have spoken and you were to just take it. And don't you question me. Now, if you've gone to, if you've been involved in a church where you can't ask questions, get out. Get out. Johnny Lee asks me questions every week. <laughs> but that's how it should be, right? We, we have to do that. If, if you can't ask questions or you can't challenge what's being said, right? Then what's the point? I mean, we gotta be able to back it with the word, right? Yes, so they acted like they were above reproach and they paint this picture because of said title and they were able to hear God better than you. I'm just talking about my experience. I'm able to hear God better than you because X, Y, Z title. I have the microphone, I hear God, and for some reason you don't. I thought we had the same Holy Spirit, but... Uh, no, am I telling the truth? I, I'm just talking about how the, the reality of what it is in Christianity where something's got off, something got weird. They were able to hear from Holy Spirit and, and you weren't because, you know, you don't have X, Y, Z title. You're a lay person. I won't name the person that said this, God rest his soul. You're tithing units. A pastor said that, not here. Boy, they're not with us anymore. No, they're not alive on the earth anymore. I bet he has a different idea now. They were the ones that held the stamp of approval or disapproval on what it was that God was telling you to do, right? So you felt this desire, I'm gonna do this thing, I think I'm hearing from God, well, I'll decide that. Ooh, the shepherding movement got weird, right? 
that became all about this guy up here telling you what car you could buy or not buy, uh, what home you could buy or not buy, right? I mean, it really got weird. Things got weird. Now, let me clarify something. Now, listen, the, the, the pastor of said churches or leadership inside of those churches, listen, they have every right to deny you in that building to do what you wanna do. If they don't want to yield to the Holy Spirit of God and recognize the gift that you have, they have every right to do that. And that does not give you the right to try to flip the church upside down, to fix it, to override them, or to split it. Just leave. Keep your mouth shut and go somewhere where people will develop the gifts that are inside of you like here. But that doesn't give you a right to tear it apart. You have to keep your mouth off of them, right? Because as I've learned... I've been in squabbles with all kinds of pastors and other people, right? Because they're all squabbling about whose people are who and what town is whose and whatever. But I learned that I had to keep my mouth off of them because God did show me they are reaching some. They are reaching some that need that particular place. So I can't pray that, well, God, that needs to close. They need to stop. No, it is reaching some just like every one of them are. And so we want to pray for them not against them, right? We want to see those people get ministered to and God will deal with the individual people as he sees fit. So what I mean is that they don't have to yield to the Holy Spirit if they don't want to and you can't do anything about that and that's okay. You have a choice to move on and not fight them. And also this, again, doesn't give you any right to interrupt their services and tell them what they're doing right or wrong or you know whatever. Just get on out. Just get on down the road. So the hard reality is this. If they don't want that, if they don't want that gift, just brush the dirt off and move on down the road because you are called of God and God will justify you. God will be sure that it gets done, but you've got to do it right as well, okay? And so I know it would help. I know what God said to do, but if they don't receive that, that's okay. And you know, God, you know, I know you understand that, but listen, don't cause any issues. I promise you there are people and there are places out here that are dying to hear what you have to say. They're dying to hear from you. Every time you go to the gas station, they're dying to hear from you. Every time you go to a restaurant, they're dying to hear from you. Every time we run into somebody, there are people that want to receive the gift. And that's biblical. There's a great big world out there. And I seriously doubt that God is saying that you overthrow XYZ church so that you can have your way and get to say whatever it is that you want to say. You got to get over it and move on as I did. Start your own thing then, right? If God's leading you to do it, then go start your own thing. Nobody said I could do this. I didn't ask permission either. God said, do it. And we did it. When others were saying no, he was saying yes. And nobody's no can compare to God's yes. And if God says yes, then by God, yes, it is. And God will be sure that you're able to get to where it is that you need to be and do what you do, right? I did it because something demanded to be done, but I wasted a lot of times being upset with churches, leadership. Don't they recognize my greatness? I mean, I hear from God. Or you all act like that's not you, please. Well, the pastor wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me. I had a thing to say and they weren't gonna let me. It's an illusion anyway, guys. Listen, we feel God telling us to do something or moving us to begin to do and we think the entire world is sitting in that room anyway. 50 people that you're gonna talk to and we think that that's the people that need to hear. I don't know that the church folk need to hear much more. I think T.L. Osborne said he was sick of preaching to churches until he was done preaching to the world first. Tired of preaching to the Christians until I can preach to all the world first. Because we, we do know some things, praise God. But dream bigger, people. I mean, it's not just for those 50 or 100 people, but there's a great big world dying. And there's some needs. And, well, some of us, we've got to get over ourselves. 
We're our worst enemy. I demand to be heard. Well, it's all right. You will, but you may not get to pick and choose the place. You maybe don't get to pick and choose. So don't, don't let church hurt stop you and sin and guilt and shame tell you what you can and cannot do. Uh, again, the other night I had an invisible pulpit drop in front of me at the gas station in Gravois. A man there that was visibly upset and God drew my attention to him over there at the gas pump. Visibly upset, probably in his late 20s. This man was distraught and an invisible pulpit dropped down. I went right over there and ministered to him. Went right over there and prayed with him and ministered to him and just left him there in a, in a puddle of tears. Glory to God as God's goodness came down upon him. He's not here this morning. This message wouldn't have mattered to him. He needed something right there. And I say that that's open to every single one of us at any time. If you'll keep your eyes open and your ears open, God will lead you to somebody. That was church for that man. The 10 minutes we spent at that gas pump meant everything to his life. Praise God. By the spirit of God, I needed to go to him. And so there's people all around that need what it is that you got. So if the church said no, you got hurt by some leader and they wouldn't let me and they said no, just move on. You know you're, you're talking to the wrong guy here anyway. I have no sympathy. Well, they won't let me. I have no sympathy for that here because nobody let me do anything ever. If I wanted to do it, I did it because God told me to do it. And you got to stick your neck out there sometimes, and you better know that it is God because it'll be you and only you now. I can't blame anybody now. Now it's just Donnie out there doing what Donnie said God said to do. You know, you, all of a sudden you lose all your excuses on they wouldn't let me. Now it's just you. So you better be ready to shoulder that. Praise God. But, you know, here's, here's what changed my life. I quit trying to sell my, uh, my billboard-sized dreams to men with three-by-five minds. They can't dream as big as me. I'm a big dreamer. They couldn't see as big as me. I don't know one single pastor out of all the years I've been here, and I've had all kinds of family that are pastors, and I don't know any of them that were able to get a building just like that debt-free. Well, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't? Well, but you're going to have bills, and you're going to have a, mm mm-hmm. And he just keeps meeting the need. He just keeps meeting the need. So don't allow their little three-by-five experience to mess with your billboard-sized dream. You don't have to sell it to any men. If God gave it to you, he'll see it come to pass. But so what happened was this, though. I had to get out of the slave mentality, and that's what we're going to talk about. I had to get out of this idea that I had to keep earning my right in Christianity every week, that I had to keep earning my right to dare to be a Christian every week to dare to feel like I could walk over and talk to this guy because maybe my Friday wasn't going that good and who am I to go talk to this guy? And I felt like I had to keep earning this thing so I had to get out of that slave mentality. Well, who are you to dare to believe for a building when we've all done it this way? What, what little you, why do you think you can do so? You're not even a pastor. You're not even a pastor. What do you need a building for? Well, I don't know, but God said get one. I think he was looking into the future as to what's coming, by the way. Oh, we've not seen anything yet. As good as we've seen in here and the things we've seen happen at summits and meetings, we've not seen. God doesn't give you a 9,000 square foot building in Laurie for 25 people to show up on a Sunday morning. Something's coming. Now listen, when it all goes to hell in a handbasket on the coasts, where are they gonna run? They're gonna come to the Midwest and we're gonna be right here ready for them. Come on, there's something happening. We're gonna be right here, praise God. But in the end, what helped me more than any other thing was to awaken to the reality that, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a son. Now, wait a minute. I'm a son of the almighty God. I don't have to prove anything to you. 
I'm already approved by my father. I don't have to give you any reasons. Sons and daughters is the great equalizer, isn't it? So it's like this. You got brothers and sisters in the natural possibly, and you all meet up for the holidays, and maybe one's a doctor. Maybe one's, one's a, a, a janitor. Maybe one's a scientist. Maybe one's a teacher. Maybe one's a, a stay-at-home mom. But when you all come together in your family, it doesn't matter because that's just my little sister. And I don't call her doctor something. That's just my little sister. I don't raise my hand to ask a question of my brother that's a teacher. Uh, I have a question because you're my brother. It's the great equalizer, but ministers don't like that. They don't like the idea that we could be equal and work shoulder to shoulder. They don't like it being equal. They don't like that idea, right? I mean, when, when it's your brothers and sisters, you just pick on each other. It's just what it is. Sons and daughters is the big equalizer. And there's just some folks that don't like it because they'll say, well, I have the higher calling, Johnny Lee. Oh, I've heard that two or three times in the last week. It's the higher calling. Well, that person's about to be brought real low. Pride comes before the fall, man. I didn't write it. He said it. The higher calling. We all have the higher calling. Every one of us have the higher calling. But they're trying to set themselves apart as something special because of titles. And and, and then that way, I don't have to recognize yours. And, uh, but here's the thing, guess what? They didn't call you, they didn't justify you, they didn't equip you, and they sure as heck didn't die for you. Now there's another. Uh, Romans 8, 28 through 30. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continu- continuously woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share in the likeness of his son. This means the sons is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and he transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone that he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. When he sees you, he sees Jesus. Why? Because of sonship. Sonship. I'm trying to help some people here today because I need you on the front lines of this thing because it's about to get real. It's about to get real. And there's going to be a separation of those that call themselves Christians and those that are sons. No, see, I'm not doubting people's salvation, but there's some folk that are walking in this idea that it was just a get out of hell free card and nothing more. Well, I'm not, I, I couldn't question their salvation, I don't know. But when it all starts hitting the fan, and it is, there's gonna be some folk that are gonna be called to the front lines of this deal, and that's gonna be us. Those that have a knowing of who they are and whose they are. That it was more than just being in a local body or joined to a denomination or just a I go to church kind of thing. This is really gonna be the sons and daughters that are gonna stand there and have a full confidence that their father God has their back because he's my daddy. Because he's my daddy and no other reason. Guys, we have a regional mandate and and I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna go forth in victory, praise God, but I can't have you believing the lie that I can't because I'm not something. I can't have you flinch, right? Isn't that what Angelique said? You're the first person that got in front of me that didn't flinch, right? You didn't flinch. Jesus didn't flinch with that man with full of demons. A legion of demons came running at him, and Jesus just stood there, stood his ground. He wasn't able to run him off, and he's not going to be able to run us off either, praise God, because of what we have. A title won't matter at that moment. Titles won't matter. 
It's just going to be the sons and daughters standing there. No, you can and you will because we're sons and daughters of the Most High. So I want to deal with something, and we're going to look at some things over the next few weeks here because we got a good number of people that have blown it, right? Flat out just didn't do what it is that God said. You ever had days like that? I mean, just some days that are just like, man, I had yesterday, but today, ah, right? I had a little road rage last night. I mean, somebody just, I was like, oh my gosh, don't you see the ax on the front of my Jeep? No, I mean, those thoughts come into my mind like, you don't know me, I might be crazy. And I'm like, you're acting crazy, stop, stop. It's time to turn over tables. No, it wasn't. You know, just some road rage stuff, right? So we have good days, right? Where you God bless somebody, but then there's other days you wanna tell them they're number one. No, that's real. I was told I was number one last night. (laughs) Uh Um, But right, we're good for a month or so maybe. And and then uh, some other issues and some other circumstances come into our life like that. And what that can do is that can steal that closeness that you once had with God. I didn't feel very holy at that moment with the words that I I was wanting to say. I wasn't lifting up holy hands and worshiping the Lord at that moment, you know? Uh, and I'm sorry if that was any of you. Maybe it was. I don't know who it was. But, um, but right, and so what that does, it'll steal your peace because you're like, man, I did not respond right. I know better. It can make you feel bad, and I did. I felt bad about it. And it steals your joy. And so here's the thing. That slave mentality would say this that's been pushed in the church that says this, you're disqualified now. You're a real good Christian. Good job. Good job, you holy thing. You hypocrite, praying on Friday and then flipping somebody off on Saturday. Good job. I didn't flip them off, I got flipped off. But, uh, but again, because of your disobedience, and so what do we say? When you're under that slave mentality, then I deserve a punishment. I deserve a punishment in this slave mentality because I have blown it and I'm not allowed to just simply step back in and do what it is that God has called me to do, but we still have that thing burning on the inside of us. Even when we've done it wrong, the next day it's still there, but then that thing is saying, no, 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 no. You dumb thing, you don't get to walk back into that. You blew it. But we can't fight the thing that's on the inside of us that says, but I gotta do this. But who am I now? So we have that cycle that's spinning out a bunch of condemned people and addictive behaviors into Christianity where you think you gotta work to get back into the good graces with God so that I can be used. But I gotta get back in his good graces. I gotta get back in his good graces. And then a week after, what happens? Well, somebody may have smoked weed again or slept with so-and-so or looked at porn or they were angry or they got into fear. And well, so now I'm, I'm not a, a son or a daughter again. What am I? I'm a slave again. And so as, as a servant, uh, I'm gonna have to work really hard. And so people do that in Christianity and I've seen it and it's such a turnoff to the world. That one week, I mean, they are out there preaching Jesus and I mean, they are nailing it and I mean, man, they are just glory to God and then they get under some guilt, shame and condemnation and mope around for a week and everybody's looking at them like, who are you? So then what happens is we think we have to match the amount of sin and shame with our Christianity. So we go over the top trying to cover up what happened because we think we gotta work at it harder and it's just a turnoff to the world to see this. Thing. Posting it on Facebook, glory to God, my life sucks. Thank you, Jesus, you provide all my needs. Where's the money? Oh my gosh, stop. Type it out if it makes you feel better, then erase it. But don't post it. No, I understand. I type a lot of stuff out that Holy Spirit's like, you're not going to press that. Well, it made me feel, my flesh feel better. 
Type it out. There you go. I told them. Uh, then I have to get a hold of them and love on them, you know. <laughs> but guys, this is about people. And, and so don't wallow in garbage and then try to be the Pope the next week, right? It's a big turnoff. And that's just coming from the insecurity that we have in our relationship with God as our father. We feel that we need to match on the God side, the level of sin that I've just been in. And that's a works-based mentality. It's works-based, working our way back. You see him, listen, a lot of us are seeing, seeing him as the Godfather and not the Father God. Oh, if I don't do, he might break my leg. <laughs> he might come to collect on that, but he's the Godfather. No, he's your Father God. And the devil's lied to some of you, convincing you that he got to get back to this magical place of being worthy, this magical place. And, but we never feel like we quite get back there, do we? Like some of us have really walked in a closeness with God and we had those times and then something happens, but you never seem to get back there, do you? It's always like a notch or two below where I feel like I was before. You know, this magical standard that is set up. So guilt and shame are directing behaviors and not birthright. Most people in the church are acting out of guilt and shame and embarrassment, and this leads to uh, it, you know, emotional instability on the inside of us, and so we act out of those behaviors and not out of birthright. Not out of birthright. Sons, not servants, and I want to start here because the Bible doesn't always address things in the language we're used to. Sons of God. Sons of God. I told you guys Dr. Loretta Allison had this vision a couple years ago where she was sitting across the table from, from God, and he was, sitting, he was sitting over there at this table, and Jesus was with her. And a uh, big, long, uh, amazing thing, but what I want you to see is this thing calling us sons because she was sitting there, and when she was thinking things, God was, you know, of course, he already knows the thoughts, and he was just, it was just this thing. But what happened was she, she is sitting there with Jesus, and he said, son, addressed her as son. And of course, in her mind, immediately, she's like, why did he call me son? I'm a female. Why did, what? And God, knowing her thoughts, immediately said, no, 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 I so see you one with my son, I call you son. I don't see you, Loretta. I see him. But I'm looking at you. Well, we being changed into the same image, doesn't it talk about that in the Bible, from glory to glory and faith to faith, that we're changed into the same image, that we can look in the mirror and see Jesus, but it's you standing there. Because where is Jesus? Christ in me. It's the hope of glory. So when he's looking at us, he says, no, I, I, I saw my son. He was making no distinction between the two. He sees us in Christ, right? We were made in his image. We're made in his likeness. The Bible talks this way, doing the works. Everything the Bible says is pointing at him looking at Christ in us. If we would start to see the same, we would act different. We would act different if we could see that. So when it says son, we're not leaving out the ladies like some denominations say you should. So when I call you sons, that's what we're talking about is everybody, just as we're moving forward here. But we're going to take a good look into Luke 15, the prodigal son, right? Now, we know the prodigal son's story. He wanted to be treated like a servant because of his behavioral issues, right? He ran off. He did it wrong. But the father still treated him like a son when he came back. So yes, I know we serve the Lord, and that's what most of the apostles will, will begin their letters, uh, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know we serve, but I want to say it this way. We're not sons because we serve. We serve because we're sons. Um, servants serve because of fear of retribution. Sons still serve. We just do it out of love. We just do it out of love, not fear. And that's the mentality I want to get back in the church today. We're sons because of birthright, not because of behavior. So when the prodigal son returns, and I think this is a big issue, 
uh, with those that are watching, those that are here today, that we have strayed at times. And now we've come home, but here we are trying to, trying to work ourselves back into a spot with the Father, and it just doesn't seem to be producing the results that we're looking for. And um, so we've fallen into that trap. Well, I guess I just got to keep working harder. I got to take my lumps. I got to somehow get back in good with him because I don't feel like I did when I left. There's just something there. And so I got to keep working. I got to keep striving. I got to keep trying to find this thing out of works. And what I, so maybe I need to pray for five hours, maybe six hours. Maybe I need to fast. Maybe, well, all those things you can be led by God, but a lot of us are doing biblical principles just out of fear. Just a shot in the dark trying to get something to stick. That's not gonna work. And then it's disappointing to you because you're like, I did the Bible and it didn't work. Wrong spirit behind it, that's all. You've got the wrong idea. That's all it is. I've sinned and this is what I get and that's a lie. And it's causing us to not stand in the position as sons on the front line of Christianity. It's keeping you from simply taking a seat at the right hand of Father God, right? We, we see some folks missing. We look to the right and left and some folks are missing, right? And uh, more importantly, God needs you to take your place. You, you guys understand, <clears throat> the Bible talks about this, that there are people out there praying right now for laborers to come across somebody's path, family members and loved ones and friends that are going to hell, and they can't reach them. You ever been that way where you couldn't reach somebody, you know, because they knew you? The Bible says that we are to pray for laborers. You understand you're the laborer that somebody's, somebody was praying for that kid. And I was there, I was the laborer. But somebody was praying for that kid that a laborer would come across his path. Others have probably tried to talk to him. I wasn't the first one, but I was the right one. Somebody's praying for you because you're the right one for somebody. For somebody, you're the right one. We've got to have you in a position where you understand who you are so that you can reach these people because God, how many of you have done it, man? You've seen somebody and you knew your heart was drawn to them and you didn't go. Somebody was praying for a laborer to come across their path, but you didn't go, why? Because you thought you'd fail in some way. Well, sons don't think that way. Somehow you thought you were gonna misrepresent God in some way, I can't go over there because I'm not sure what I would do. Sons and daughters don't think that way. They don't think that way. They know what they would do because they know their father and their father knows them and they have a confidence in them. I can't screw this up because of my daddy. I can't screw this up. I can't do it wrong. Guys, we gotta come across the lost and sick and dying hordes of humanity. We gotta start pulling some people out of the grips of hell. So I wanna look at something because here is a son. We understand this prodigal son, he did it all wrong, didn't he? He just did this wrong. He did it so wrong. And when he came back to the father, uh, I love this. The father's response after this kid left and blew everything was to give him three gifts. He was willing to take the chance that this idiot who blew it, I'm gonna give him a chance again and I'm gonna give him three gifts. And he may squander every one of them, I don't know. But see, that is our father, isn't it? He's a good, loving father who's a giver. He gave his son for everybody with the idea that some of them will spit right in his face and never receive him, but he said, I did it anyway. And that's the father that we have, that you will not mess this up. You can't because he's always giving, and he's always gonna be giving, and he can't help it because he is a giver. It's not what he does, it's who he is. He is a giving father. I mean, Romans 8, 32 says, he that did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not through him freely give us all things? He gave his son. You think anything else matters now? You can't mess it up. He went right to the top and he gave the very best. Nothing else matters now. But here's what happened. I think some of you bypassed your father 
when you decided to come back and you went to work instead of stopping by to see what it is that he really wanted. He's standing back here with three gifts to hand to you. And we just went right back because we're like, I just, I got to get back to work. And if I keep my head down, maybe he won't notice. And I can, I'll just, I'll just work back in there. And eventually he'll be like, oh, well, good job, Johnny Lee. You, okay. You, you did a thing. He's standing back here with three gifts waiting for you to come right back. He's got some things for you this morning. And by the way, a gift isn't something you work for because at the moment that you have to work for it, it ceases to be a gift. It becomes an earned wage. He said, it's not a wage. I have something for you that has nothing to do with anything that you've done for me. This kid did it all wrong. And his dad said, but I've got three things for you. I got three things for you. Anybody that has strayed and come back. And so he gave him a robe, a ring and shoes. Let's look at what it means. Let's look at the robe today. And so again, don't, don't miss what we're talking about. I learned some things in this story that I hadn't seen before. Praise God. Luke 5 and, uh, sorry, Luke 15 and verse 17. But when he came to himself, this is the son, right? How many of you have had that moment where you came to yourself and you were like, hello, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Oh my gosh, like the fog lifted and you're standing there going, what have I been doing? That's what happened to this kid left his father's house, and he realized, uh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have done that. And so he's, he's sitting there, and he's having this conversation with himself. How many of my father's hired servants? Now, here's something that I had missed. Hired servants. These are employees, not slaves working for the father. These are hired servants. They're getting a wage. They get paid for what they do. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I'm over here dying of hunger? The hired servants, the hired servants have it, it says, more than enough. They're not living on get-by street. The hired servants aren't living from paycheck to paycheck. The employees have more than enough so quickly. How in the world shouldn't the sons and the daughters of God have more than enough if the hired servants have enough? What am I talking about? We all know there are people that stand in pulpits that are hired servants. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I can't, again, I can't question their salvation. I have no idea. But we know that there are people that get things sent down to them from the heads of the denomination, and you don't pray about it. You don't seek Holy Spirit about it. You give this sermon because somebody somewhere else said that that's what you're going to do. And they're just hired servants to stand there and give you a good speech in a position as a leader, and they're a hired servant. And yet, what do they get? They get a house and they get a car, and they get a paycheck, and they get all the, how much more the sons and daughters, if a hired servant can have more than enough, how dare we not believe that we can too? How could we believe that we couldn't? Right, they get time off for vacations. When the last time you had a vacation, Johnny Lee? Right now. Right now. <laughs> Today he retired, praise God. You're retired, I bet you did. Mm-hmm. You know I got some things for you to do, right? You're not retired. You just think you are. Wait till we talk. <laughs> Praise God. Right? But I mean, we see these people that, that stand in those positions. They've got everything coming to them, right? They don't have no idea or, or, or revelation of being a son or a daughter, right? They are servants, right? They have no relationship with him really other than to just, you know, do the thing. They've gone to seminary. They've got this paperwork. I'm now somebody because of a title, because of my schooling or whatever, and they stand in this, and certainly they, they could be a Christian in the sense that they read the Bible, but here we are, we got sons and daughters that are living in this relationship that feel like I can't do what they do because I don't have. And I've been living from paycheck to paycheck, uh, sometimes no paycheck, and I've been struggling. 
But it says that even the hired servants had more than enough. And so you're going to have to get a mind renewal to the fact that your father God wants you blessed. He wants you blessed. He wants you to have more than enough. He does. He doesn't want you struggling and worrying about these life issues and how to pay the bills. Winter's coming and there's no work. He doesn't want that mentality in his sons and daughters. And so, listen, regardless if five high-profile ministers have abused this and then recanted it after they got their millions, thank you. Oh, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. You've got millions of dollars already. Thank you. There is a prosperity message that is right, that we have a Father God that has more than enough. And what are dollar bills and coins to him? He understands that's how the system works here, and he can provide it to you. That's what I always say is when they're like, well, it's going to cost this much. And I'm like, it's just money. We'll get more. There's no lack of money. It just needs to start coming our way. It's out there. Just drive down to the lake and look at the second homes that they have. There's money here at the lake. And we don't have to struggle. When these people have two or three homes and a million-dollar boat and you're sitting here barely getting by, no. No, 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 no. I don't think so. I don't think so. Praise God. His, listen, the father wants his family taken care of. He wants his family taken care of. And any good father would do that in the natural. So I guess what I'm saying, as much as I love being up here doing what I do, um, um, don't ever say or compare, well, you know, he's up there, so he gets, right? Well, since he's up there and he's a minister, he gets these things. I can't expect to have those things because that's a lie. We are brothers and sisters. There is no difference in pay here, if you understand what I'm saying. God's not looking at it saying, oh, well, that's worth this much this week, but what did you do this week? You get a little less on your check. We gotta start believing for more. Why? That only comes when you have a relationship with the Father. Listen, I like to bless my kids and give them stuff for no reason, just because they're my blood. If I get extra, I send it their way. Why? Because they're good soil, and I wanna bless them. They're, they're worth blessing because they're mine. And you do the same thing. We've done the same thing. We've given out of our own herd at times, haven't we? So is the father. He gave a son. He gave a son. He gave out of some hurt. Right? So even my father's employees have more than enough bread. Again, allow that to spark you for more than your job pays you. How many of you know that God can work in ways that it doesn't matter what job you work? He said that, uh, what did he say? I'm, I'm able to provide all your needs according to what? Your hours that you work? Well, they set my pay. He said, listen, it's not about what you have. It's about what I have. And I'll provide all your needs according to my riches and glory, not what you have. It's about what the Father has for you. Believe for more. You know, because I've done it, God's used me to do it. Somebody can walk up to you and hand you a $100 bill right now. Nobody jumped up and said amen to that. Well, sorry. (laughs) Curtis, he was getting up. He's like, hey. No, I mean, listen, right? I mean, It's not there on my check, but God could send somebody right to you. That guy that was at the gas station, I paid for his gas. I don't even know if he needed it. I just figured he might. I paid for his gas. I didn't pay for his gas. Actually, you did. It was the ministry card. You paid for his gas. Because that's, listen, that's the father, though. Maybe this guy didn't have, he didn't look like he had the money. But isn't it amazing? But we have a father that can provide to you. So here's this guy, he's poor, he's eating the the pig slop and he's stealing from the livestock. Servants have more than enough to spare and I'm sitting here starving to death, perishing with hunger. Luke 15, 18 and 19. So 
I will arise and go to my father. How many of you have been there? Man, I have blown it. That's it. I'm going back to God. I'm going back. But here you go. He's got a plan. I'm going to arise and I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say to him, here comes the bargaining. We've done it. God, if you get me out of this, I'll never. And I'll do this and I'll do that. And this is what this guy's doing. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy. Watch this now. Millions of people are stuck right here. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I want back in, but just make me like one of the hired servants. I want back in, but I know that I can't get back in where I was. That closeness that we had. The relationship of a son, just make me a servant. I'll just, I'll do for you. I'll do for you. Just let me back in. Not worthy to be called a son. Treat me like a servant. This son has worked up his speech. You ever worked up a speech to, to, to God? He's worked up a speech so he can get his foot back in the door. And I love that his father didn't even allow him to finish his speech. I love that. No longer worthy to be called a son. Not good enough. Treat me as a servant. Verse 20, and he arose and he came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, meaning what? The father had been scanning the horizon even when he was far away. The father never really took his eyes off of the idea that I'm waiting for my son to come back. That the father is sitting there waiting for them to come home. That he is scanning their horizon because, listen, that's where you belong. You don't belong out there eating pig slop. He was waiting. He'd been scanning the horizon to see the sun pop over that hill. So that's some of you today. I want you to know that this morning the father's been looking. He's been looking for you to come back. He's been watching. And he saw his, his boy come home and he had compassion. Now watch this. He saw him and he was ready to give him a piece of his mind. Nah, he had compassion. And he fell on him and he kissed his neck and he said, my son is home. He loved the hell out of him. He didn't beat the hell out of him. He loved the hell right out of his son. That when he showed up right there, he had compassion on him. Verse 21, here goes the speech. And the son said, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, and I love this, the father's like, stop, stop. He had rehearsed this in his mind the whole time of how he's gonna get back in, and the father says to the servants, bring out the best robe, the best one. You know which one I'm talking about, go get the best one. That one, yeah, that one. You know which one I'm talking about, go get the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, put sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son who was dead, he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found and they begin to be merry. So every gift that he gave him is a gift that you give to a son, not a servant. Matter of fact, every gift that he gave him was something that could be taken from a servant and given to a son at any time. You understand that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous? That's you, the righteous. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. They've been working really hard for you. And you get it because of the righteousness that you have in Christ Jesus. You didn't earn that. There's people out here that have done uh, some pretty bad things to, to store up wealth just for you. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. So we got to look at this because there is a mentality in the church today. Servants, servants, and I got to work so I can get back in. Watch this. These gifts that you give to sons a robe and a ring and some shoes. And Jesus made statements like this in John 8, 35. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Galatians 4 and verse 7, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. 
John 15, 15, Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. So the robe, this represents the robe of righteousness. The robe of righteousness. That's what we're talking about today, the robe. Isaiah 61 and verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with his garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. So what is righteousness? It means to be able to stand uh, be in right standing with Father God as though sin, guilt, and shame never existed. Could you imagine how you would approach the Father God if there was no sin, guilt, or shame ever, no embarrassments in your life, as though you never, ever blew it, not once, that you were God's favorite son that did it all right. Imagine how that would feel to walk into your Father God. What would be off limits to you at that moment? So here's a question, number one, do we earn this or is it a gift that was given? This is gonna change everything right here. I know that some of you are saying, well, it's a gift, but we still act like we gotta earn it. We're still acting like we gotta earn it, but it's a gift. It's a gift. That's the mentality that's been placed upon the church today is that we've been made fearful of simply receiving the free gift of God because you better be careful because you're gonna get into that greasy grace message. Greasy grace message where people are gonna feel like they can just get away with anything that they want. I think we're a little smarter than that. That woman caught in the act of adultery was given the most greasy grace message I've ever heard. She did it. She was caught in it, and he said, I'm with her, and she's with me. Put those stones down. And it didn't cause her to say, whew, I got away with that one, let's go. It changed everything in her life because of that love. I think we're a little smarter than that. You're probably gonna end up sinning and thinking you can just get away with it. I think that's a lie. We gotta give people more credit. No son truly wishes to disappoint his father. Oh, we do it, but we don't do it on purpose. And God knows your heart. We're all gonna blow it. We're all gonna fail at times, right? But we've been treated like we're the stupidest people in the world that can't handle the free gifts that God is giving us. You're gonna go squander it. Maybe, but it's not up to you to what God's gonna give me. I might blow it just like this guy. Have you ever blown it? I have. Oh, I have. I pushed the limits all through my teenage years, and I knew God. I knew him. I was raised right and did it anyway, just like this guy. Same thing. I blew it. So this is going to change everything in how you see God and how you see yourselves and about behavior and performance and other things. that We've got to flip this switch on the inside of you. This is 100% a gift, 0% earned You don't earn this. You couldn't earn this. You couldn't work hard enough to get it. But you don't have to. It's a gift. I mean, you think about it. What had the prodigal son done to earn a robe and a ring and new shoes? I mean, this guy, he wasted everything that the father had already given him in in living without restraint, and especially in the area of sex and promiscuity and drunkenness, it said. He went out and hired prostitutes with his inheritance, partied, went crazy. He'd done everything. He had had done nothing here to earn the gifts, but he got them anyway. Now watch, here's a revelation that I'd never seen in verse 19. He said, I'm no longer worthy. I'm no longer worthy. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This tells me that at one point, he thought he was worthy. No, I'm no longer to be worthy, but I felt like I was. Well, when did you feel that way? When I was at home doing it right, just like my older brother, and I was there working right, because that's what the older brother said. Well, I never left. I'm worthy of this. He's not worthy because I stayed here and did it all right. 
He said, I'm no longer worthy. I felt like I was once. When I was there working for you, dad, and I was doing the thing, and I was obedient son, and, and I did all of this, and I stayed at home. I was worthy, but when I left home and I did things wrong, I'm no longer worthy. Listen, we think this way. This is where people are stuck. You came into church. You had a bad week. Coming into meetings, I had a bad week. I'm not worthy to receive what others are receiving because of what happened in my life this week. I fell. I sinned. I did some things. And so, I mean, look at so-and-so getting healed and so-and-so getting blessed and all happy and joy and peace and somebody got a check in the mail. They must be doing something right. Isn't that what we say when people get blessed? Well, that, you must be doing something right. That's clean living. You must, you must be clean living. Do you know you can go to hell in a handbasket, do it all wrong, God would still bless you? Because he's a blessing type of a father. You can't earn the blessing from God. He's going to bless you. But that's what we do. He must be doing something right. Well, he got blessed. You must be doing something right. Clean living, right? But not me. I'm not worthy this week. I was once, though. I was once. This is causing the people of God to live below what it is that they were called to live. The same gifts and the things are out there from the Father, but because of the position that you're in right now, you just don't see them. So you're not receiving them that God still wants to bless you. He still wants to meet your needs. He still wants to take care of you, that he's been scanning the horizon wanting to get you out of what you got yourself in. But when we don't recognize it from the position down here with pig slop living, you can't see it. Y'all have no idea what I did this week and last night or maybe in, oh, on my way, I'm not worthy to be called a son or daughter. But then suddenly we have a good week and we didn't look at porn this week and I did my devotions five out of the seven days. And I prayed and I said, God bless you to that woman that was rude to me at the store. And all of a sudden we think we're worthy now. Now I can come to church and I'm worthy. Now I'm worthy, right? Now I'm worthy. I'm, I'm feeling good this week, I'm worthy. Let me give you a wake up call, friends. You have never been worthy. You do it all right and nail it 100%, you're still not worthy. Do it all wrong and you're not worthy. I didn't, I didn't defile myself, you're not worthy. You're not, Jesus didn't heal good people. Oh, I'm no longer worthy. I was when I was doing it right, but now I'm not. This is performance-based mentality. Because of the works that I've done, I'm now worthy. Striving for things that already belong to you. We say it like this, it's a dog chasing its tail. It's already yours, stop. You're not going anywhere, you're just doing this. I gotta get it, I gotta get it, I gotta get it. It's yours. What are you gonna do when you grab it anyway? I always wondered that, what would that dog? Yeah. Christians have this. Is it earned or is it given? Is it earned or imputed? We don't use that word a lot because it's an accounting term that means to balance your account. Imputed. Romans 4 is talking about Abraham, quotes some Old Testament scriptures to back it up, and it applies to us. Romans 4 and verse 6, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. God imputes it. God balances your account of righteousness separate from your works. It's not about what you did to earn it. God is imputing or balancing your account with righteousness, it says. To whom God balances his account of righteousness apart from works. Romans 4, 23 and 24. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us that our accounts shall be balanced 
It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Earned, not imputed. It's a free gift, and so you can't say I'm not worthy this week because the truth is you weren't worthy last week either, and you won't be worthy next week either because it's not even about that, right? This is where Romans 4 puts it all together. Romans 4 and verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, When Abraham believed God and put his trust in him, God put righteousness in Abraham's account. He placed righteousness in there. He deposited that into his account. And the reason that he could do that is because God took Abraham's sin and put that in his son's account. Then he took Jesus's righteousness and he put that into your account. That's what this whole thing's about. The reason your account got balanced is because God took your debt out of your account and he put assets into your account so that at any time you want to pull upon that, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's in my account. You can't take it because you didn't put it in there. I can pull out of there, but you can't. You can't tell me I'm not because you didn't put it in there. He put it in there. You can't tell me what's in my account because God put it in there. He put it in there. But was it when you decided to do something? How about this? Any of you have children in here? You have children. When did you decide to love that child? Most of you, I dare to say, when you found out, when when the, the woman found out that she was pregnant, you started loving that child. You didn't see that child. You haven't held that child necessarily. You haven't had conversations with this child. They've done nothing to earn anything. They're just in there. But because they're in there and a part of you, you instantly started loving that child before you even met them. Before you even met them. The child hasn't earned any worthiness to receive love or care or food. You know this child in the first year of its life, it's gonna poop a lot. Then as a teenager, it's gonna poop on you again, just in a different way. (laughs) They're gonna scream, they're gonna cry. When they turn two, they're gonna say things like, no, and mine, right? All these different things that this little child is gonna do, they've earned nothing. They are not worthy because of what the child has done. They're worthy because of the choices that mommy and daddy made to bring them into the world because there's no mistakes. Spirits don't sneak into the earth, by the way. God had a plan. Your God says, I knew you, Jeremiah 1, before you were in your mother's womb. I knew you, and God said, I loved you even as a sinner. Even as a sinner, before you ever decided to do something, God had already chosen to do something. Just like that child, before that child ever does anything for you, you've already started to map out a plan. Oh, I'm gonna take care of this child. And we dream, right? Maybe they'll do this, maybe they'll do that. We don't know. We're gonna, we're gonna encourage them to be all these different things. I never told my kids no. When they would come to me with harebrained ideas, hey, I wanna be an astronaut, do it. I didn't say, well, no, we live. We live in Versailles. How many astronauts you know? I mean, there's some guys that think they're astronauts, but that's, you know, chemically induced. They're out of this world, all right, but they... (laughs) Lucas was my different child. In my home, I played football. Michael played football, right? We we played certain sports. Michael played basketball because he was tall. You know, my, my daughter played certain... We were into certain sports. Here comes Lucas, and he's like, I think I'm gonna learn how to skateboard. We live in Versailles. Okay, so what does he do? He gets a skateboard, busts his butt a couple times. Now he's out skating all, just why? Because, just because, do it, do it. 
I think I'm gonna play soccer. Really? I think I'm gonna play soccer. And I think I'm gonna be goalie. Okay, and I'm gonna be the quarterback for the Chiefs. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, sure, I'm gonna be goalie. You know, it's kind of an important spot. Having never played soccer, what does he do? He walks on the team and tells the coach, I'm your goalie. Well, they got second in state the next year as, as goalie. Always encouraging them to do right. But they didn't earn any of that. But before they were ever born, we're already making these plans and these purposes of how they're gonna be great, how they're gonna do the, and then we're gonna provide them with everything to be able to do that. It's the best that we can. But they didn't earn any of it. And so for God so loved the world, not just the Christians, he loves the world. He loves these people right now, just like he loved you as a sinner before you ever chose to do a single thing. There was a robe placed upon Jesus and he was beaten before he was crucified and they laid that robe over his bloody back. You remember the story? And they took that robe and they ripped it off of Jesus's back. This was just symbolic of the blood of Jesus and the power that it had. And they ripped that off of his back because God knew that I had to take that robe from Jesus and I'm gonna give you that robe. And it's the blood that's gonna make you righteous. And it was just prophetic of what it was that God was gonna do for us. That he had to be wounded, but then I'm gonna use that woundedness to be able to get rid of your woundedness. Because not all scars that we see are on the outside, huh? And he knew, and they ripped that from his body so he could give it to us. And he had been stripped of all righteousness and because it was our sin, right? He became sin who knew no sin. Jesus took all that sin on, all that unrighteousness, he took that sin and that righteousness that was his was ripped from his body and that robe was placed upon you and I. I mean, you remember when he hung on the cross and he said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? What happened? It's the first time he felt a separation from his father. That's what sin does. Haven't you felt that way? Man, I, that closeness, where are you, Father God? Well, the dad was always there, you moved. Sin caused you to take a step back. He was always there. And that's what sin does, it tries to drive a wedge. And Jesus took all of that and he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me so that you would never, you would never have to say those words. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I won't relax my grip upon you, assuredly not, says the Lord. I'll never leave you. I'll be with you in trouble. I'll be there. He was no longer in right standing. The Bible says it pleased the Father to bruise him because he knew what was gonna purchase for us. You've been robed not because of what you've done, but rather what the Father did through the Son. You can't earn it. You can't work hard enough to get it. Look at the price that was paid to get it to you anyway. You couldn't afford it. But you didn't have to. That was the cool thing. You are sons and daughters. The servants don't get it. We do. And this is why we've re uh, we have struggled at times to receive all the Father has because servants don't get it. Sons do. And we've been working the wrong angle. The servants don't get it. And we've been working hard to get it as a servant. Well, the servants don't get it. They don't get it. Sons, not servants. So I serve the Lord, but we serve from a position of sons and daughters mentality. I've worked for family before. My aunt and uncle owned a very successful barbecue business down here for years. And it was very successful before they had sold it off. And so I understand this. I was the night cook there. And my aunt had an apartment downstairs and I would work upstairs and, and I'm working. And so I'm an employee, right? I, but I was close to my aunt and there were very hands-on owners that were there every day. And even though I was, I was an employee, but here's the thing. Anytime that I had a real issue in my life, I could go talk to my aunt. And I would cease to be an employee at that moment because we were family. That I could walk downstairs. Others couldn't do that. They weren't family. 
But if I had an issue that we wanted to discuss that was personally going on in my life, even though I'm an employee, but because it was a family member that owned it, I could walk into that apartment and have a talk with my aunt because she owned the thing. She owned it and I was family. Not everybody could do that. I was, I was a hired servant, but I was also family. So we can serve the Lord, but we were adopted. And here's the deal. My daddy owns the whole thing. He owns the whole thing and he will meet with you at any time. Yes, we'll do works. We will do some things, but at the same time, it's not about a servant having to set up a meeting. It's a son just coming to his father. That at any time that you want to, your father's ready to meet with you. Don't listen to the accuser in Zechariah. We can see where God clothes us. He removes our iniquities. He gives us a robe of righteousness. And so it's talking about Joshua. Two Joshua's in the Old Testament, you need to know. One led the people into the promised land. That was Moses' successor. The other was the high priest that led God's people back into the promised land after the exile. But Joshua means God saves. And this is talking about the high priest, Zechariah 3.1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, This is talking about Jesus and Satan standing at the right hand to oppose him. So notice who's trying to stand at the right hand. Now, wait a minute. Whose position is at the right hand? The devil's always going to try to bump you out of your position because we're seated with him in heavenly places with Jesus. But the devil's going to try to take that position at the right hand. He's trying to stand at this position. Verse two, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This is talking about Joshua. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and he was standing before the angel. Then he answered and he spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And he said, see, I've removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. Iniquity is from the, the root word inequity. Inequity, it's not equal, it's inequitable. And so here's what this means. None of us is equal with God. If you place everything good that you've ever done times 100, you're not equal with God on your best days. The only way to be equal with God is to do what? You have to invite Jesus into your life. You have to to run off of his equality with the Father. It can't be yours. He said, I remove your filthy garments, all your sins, your iniquities. So there were two trees in the garden, right? The the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But we think of, 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 uh, of inequity as being evil. So we struggle to do what? To do good, or sometimes we do evil. We're struggling with this all the time. So even what you've done that is good isn't necessarily of God, and we still haven't gotten to the tree of life, but this is what we do. We're trying, to, we're trying to choose between what is good and evil, or what is good and what is bad. But what you ought to be doing is choosing between life and death. Not good and bad, because you will choose poorly at some time. We've got to start choosing between life and death. God is life. So here's what I'm saying. I'm taking away your filthy garments, Isaiah 64 and 6. But we're all like an unclean thing. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags, filthy garments. So here's what I'm saying. The best thing about me is not as good as the worst thing about God if there was one. There's not, but you understand what I'm saying just for an example. The best thing about me wouldn't be as good as the worst thing that would be about God. All the things that I've done are inequitable with God. He removes his iniquity and rebukes the accuser. Satan was standing at the right hand of the Lord and he rebuked him. Revelation 12 and verse nine. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation 
and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accuses them before our God day and night has been cast down. So remember, he's trying to stand at the right hand, Romans 8 and 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. So here's what you have to understand. We don't have an accuser anymore. You don't have a little devil on one shoulder and an angel or Jesus on the other one trying to tell you what to do. We don't have an accuser anymore, but what we have now is an intercessor. The devil was trying to stand in the position of the accuser at the right hand, and he said, move, I'm putting in an intercessor there so I can have a go-between between God and man. You don't have an accuser anymore. You have an intercessor, one that goes to the Father on your behalf that when you've blown it, he says, but Father, look what you did. Look through this to them. Don't look through wrath. Don't look through the works, Father. Look through this to see them. That's why it's so important for you to understand when you look in that mirror that you see Jesus because that's what God is seeing and that's why, that's why you didn't get squashed like a bug because he sees Jesus. Jesus removes the iniquities. He, he removed the filthy rags and Jesus clothed himself upon us, wrapped himself around us as that robe of righteousness so that when the accuser comes, don't let him talk to you. Let Jesus do the answering. Respond out of a righteous position that says, who do you think you're talking to? Shut up, right? He doesn't, you don't get to talk to me. It's not a prideful thing to say. It's a position that you're in right now, right? And he doesn't leave you naked. He robes you and he said that I'm gonna remove the filthy garments, but I'm gonna clothe you with rich robes. Revelation talks about God's riches. It's more than pearly gates and streets of gold. You understand he's rich in mercy? He's rich in mercy, not for when you did it all right and you followed God and you stayed at home on the farm and you worked and you crossed every T and you dot every I. Mercy's for when you did the exact opposite and you blew it and you knew what he said and you did it anyway. Paul struggled with it. He said, why do I always do the things I know I shouldn't do? And I can't seem to do the things that I know I should do, but he had an understanding that I'm gonna run my race anyway. How could he do that? He understood God's mercy. He understood that, man, I am, he even said, I'm the chief of all sinners. All y'all are sinners and I'm your chief. He's like, I, but I'm gonna run my race because he understood God's mercy. He understood that mercy. So he's rich enough to forgive you of your sins. He's rich enough to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. What is cleanse? It's, it's to wash away, right? It's to no sign of that anymore. He's cleansing you. He's cleansing you. He paid the full penalty and Jesus worked the substitutionary act of blood-bought salvation. And he robes in Revelation 3 and verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. The shame of your nakedness. I was born again at an early age but I had no understanding about righteousness. I knew that God would forgive me of my sins, right? We heard that a lot. But what I didn't know is that he took away my shame. And so in not, in, in, in not knowing that he took away my shame, I could still be born again and yet allow shame and guilt to keep me away from what it was I, I was doing. And it would allow others to heap that on me as well because everybody knows people like to remind you. Oh, we know you. What are you doing? Don't you remember? I was there with you. Don't you remember what we did? Don't you remember what you did? So I walked in shame for years until you know that the robe was to cover you and not to reveal everybody your past. 
That's what the robe was about. It wasn't denying that you had one. It just said that they don't need to see it. They don't need to see that. They don't need to know what you've done. They don't need to know all the dirt and the garbage and the things that you've done. I don't, want, I don't want everybody to know what you've done. You don't need to air out your dirty laundry in front of everybody. God doesn't want that for you. You have a robe. He covered you in nakedness. He doesn't want everybody to know the shameful things in your life. God doesn't want that. He doesn't want to air it out. The prodigal son comes home. He's been out in the world. His clothing is filthy. He wasted everything that the father gave him, and he comes home, and he looks like one of the hired servants, maybe. And he says, make me as one of them, but see, you can't do that because you're a son. And nothing can change that you're a son. And the sons have some access to things that the servants don't have. And so I know as much as you want to crawl back in here, but the father says, I can't do that because you're not a servant. You're a son. And I can't change that because of the blood. It's because of the blood you're a son. It's because of the blood of Jesus that we get to be sons. Go get me a robe. My son is home. I don't want everybody seeing him this way. I know he's filthy. I know he blew it, but I don't want him walking in here and having all those hired servants seeing him that way. Go get a robe and cover him up. Hurry up. Hurry up. Get him covered. I don't want people to see that shame and that nakedness and that filth that was upon him. I don't want him exposed to the judgmental eyes of those that are looking at him. So live like a son. We're not sons because we serve, but we serve because we're sons. So here's the thing, don't live in the pig pen, but also be wise enough not to leave your father's house. Don't leave the father's house. Righteousness is a gift, but at the same time, respect yourself enough to live righteously. Don't go out in the world because you are better than that. And anything that you think you can find out there, I guarantee you, your father has something else for you. He doesn't want to ruin your good time. This can still be fun to be a Christian. It's just going to come in a different way. And we don't have to go with cheap substitutes, you know? So it's not human willpower to be better. You're sons and daughters of the Almighty God, and you don't need to live below what is expected in the house. Live as sons, making no apologies. Don't dumb yourself down because those around you don't understand. Don't dumb yourself down. Don't put yourself down. Don't put others down. Don't dumb down your living status as sons because somebody else doesn't live in that revelation. Oh, who do you think you are? I don't think I'm anybody. I know that I'm a son. And you don't need to make any excuse to be one. We don't need to make excuses. You don't need to explain yourself. I'm blessed. I'll stand up here and tell you I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I didn't do it. I'm blessed because I know who I belong to. I'm blessed because I know what my father wants to give me. I've not seen the fullness of it yet because I'm not walking in the full revelation of this yet either. But more and more as I do, I realize I'm blessed. It's not based off of things that I see. I'm blessed. It's not just stuff, although if I needed it, he's gonna provide it, but that's not even what it is. I am blessed, and you're blessed. I don't have to make excuses. My dad owns the whole thing. It's not me, he did it. I don't have to make excuses to walk as royalty. I am, but I was born into it, and you can too. Just make the decision, and you can be adopted right in. We don't need to make excuses because our daddy owns the whole thing. Stop allowing the accuser to try to drag you down into some second-rate Christianity. Well, who do you think you can be? Who do you think you are to heal somebody? Well, I'm a son. Well, who are you to dare to get on Facebook and ask for a tent and chairs and a building and all this stuff? My dad owns the whole thing. What do you mean? All I got to do is ask. He owns the whole thing. If my dad owned a big tent company, would it be a big deal to ask for a tent? 
bring it on. He owns the chair company. Is it a big deal to ask for some chairs? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Could I have a steak, please? I mean, come on. Get rid of the hot dogs. (laughs) I can't help it. I'm just like my father. That's all. I can't help it. I can't help it. Lucas can't help but have certain mannerisms because of whose he is. He's an Allen. He can't get away from it. There's just certain mannerisms and things and looks, and you can tell who belongs to who. I can't help it. I'm just like my father, and it's just what we do. Really, the question would be this. You don't? Who are you? You don't? You speak in tongues? You mean you don't? You're going around laying hands on You don't? Wow. Well, you don't know whose you are. Don't allow those that are living less and not experience freedom to question yours and to drag you down. I'm not cocky or arrogant. My dad owns the whole thing, and I'm a son. It's everyday living in my house to expect victory when I got a dad like mine, healing when I have a dad like mine, right? People always, I remember people were always so mad at me. They always thought I was so cocky because I would just dare to believe. We're going to go lay hands on that person. They're going to be healed of cancer. (laughs) Who do you think they are? (laughs) I'm like, no, I, I know whose I am. My dad's the great physician. He's coming with me. We're going to go lay hands on them, and they're going to be healed. It's not me. Who, who, who are you thinking that you are? How dare you? You know, it'd be just, it would be, it, it's so simple to me. It'd almost be like a child asking for bread at a table, and somebody's saying, who do you think you are? Well, my father set the table before me. It's my bread. I would never just say, well, who do you think you are, Lucas, asking for a piece of bread? You think you're something. It's that simple that my father said, I've sat it all out here for you. What is it to ask? Hey, pass me that. Hey, I need some of that. Hey, it's already there. But if you're not sitting at the table as a son, see, we used to have tons of kids come to my house. They weren't my son. So it was hard for them to just partake of the things that I would offer. I'd tell them when you walked into my house, it's all yours. It's all yours, guys. You have whatever you want. We've stocked the refrigerator for you, expecting that you were coming over. Lucas had a bunch of his friends over. Man, we bought cases and cases of soda. We cooked all kinds of food. And I said, you guys just come and go. Just get stuff and eat and do whatever you want. This is all yours today. But when you don't know the father and the relationship, I saw kids go up to Lucas and say, hey, would you ask your dad if I could? And they're trying to go through his relationship to get to the Father. And that's what we do. Would you pray for me? Could, could you ask God? And we're, because we don't understand who we are, even though he said it's all yours, just like Lucas being my son, but today you're all my sons. And when you're in this house, it's all yours. And I provided every, you didn't pay for that. You didn't earn it. I don't even know half of y'all's name. But welcome. It's all yours. But I watched some kids that walked right in and they'd come and talk to me for a minute. They act like they own the place. They'd go right in there and grab food and open the fridge. Uh, Lucas had a friend that used to come over. He'd literally walk in the door and say, hey, Don. (laughs) Wouldn't see him till the next day. Hey, come on in. But he had the relationship. He understood who the father was, and he understood where he stood with me. You can have all the bread that you want, praise God. Uh, If I haven't made you mad lately, I'm going to go ahead and say this. This ministry will have a million dollars. 
what are you going to do with a million dollars? Well, you'll see. I didn't say I will. I said the ministry. Are you a part of the ministry? That's right. This movie, Seven Days with the Witch, is going to happen. And this ministry is going to be multi-multi-millionaire ministry because of the movie. Because that's the way that God set it up. Could you imagine what we could do in this region if we had millions of dollars? No, imagine it. Imagine what we could do instead of walking over there and telling Vinny to pay for the stuff, we'll walk over there and pay for it and fix it ourselves. No, don't think we won't do it. We have millions of dollars. We're going to fix this town up. We're going to bless everybody. You're going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed. The ministry will be blessed, but this town will be blessed. Imagine what we can do with that kind of money. These churches sitting around here falling apart. There's no excuse for that. Imagine what we could do. Imagine it. Imagine it. But see, here's the thing. It's hard for me not to believe that because my daddy bought me this building and this microphone and the chairs that your blessed assurance is sitting on right now. He paid for that. He did all of that. It's very easy for me to see how it is that my father will provide this because our heart is right. Oh, you won't see me wearing a suit ever. So I won't be buying suits and a, and a jet. No, I'm not, I'm not talking against. I'm just saying what we're doing. We're going to have millions of dollars. You mean here? You think geographical location means one thing to him? Somebody's got to have it. It might as well be us. I say us. Are you in this thing? I said us. That when you come to me and say, hey, I saw something. We need to do something. We're writing checks. Hey, I know somebody and they need a thing. We're writing checks. Imagine what we could do. Our heart's already there. All of us, we, I, I know because I've heard you guys say it. I've seen some of you give when you didn't have. We're gonna have a million dollars. Why? My daddy owns the whole thing. And it won't be based off of what Donnie does or does not do. It's all in my account. I didn't put it there, he did. So that's nothing to him. How many of you know there's multi, multi, multi millionaires out there that didn't get it right? Now, what is it just for us to have it because our heart is right? Because it's my dad. My dad's a multi, multi bazillionaire. What's a couple million to him? That's like Lucas coming to me and saying, can I have two bucks? Two bucks? You're killing me, kid. Two bucks. Two bucks. Here's five, you know. Come on. But you'll see that as you start to get the relationship right and understand where you are in the relationship. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not coming, you're already righteous. That when he looks at you, there's nothing that you've ever done wrong or could ever do wrong. You can't. You don't allow other people to try to pull you back into pig slop living. Just because they don't have a revelation of it and just because they think that they've been serving or doing something for so long, and they haven't gotten there, you can't get there either. Don't allow anybody to pull you back into that just because they don't have a revelation of it, right? Don't do that. We're not gonna allow others who see themselves as servants try to tell the sons what it is that we got going on. My daddy loves us and he's covered us even while the others are trying to disrobe you because they want people to see your shame. They wanna disrobe you and tear you down. They want other people to see everything that you've done. They want you to, they want to, they want to because you, they want to air all your dirty because they're not living in a revelation of who they are. So they wanna be sure that to make their little candle burn brighter, they gotta poof yours out. Oh, 
That's true. And it's, it's just anybody. It could be anybody that's doing it to you. They're gonna try to disrobe you. My daddy said, clothe them because love covers a multitude of sins. Clothe them. I don't wanna see it. I don't want others to see it. That's not a good testament and testimony to my father to see his kids running around in filth. No, you guys wanna be born again, look at me. No. You have a robe and nobody needs to see what's taking place in your life. My daddy said, clothe them. We saw it with Joseph, right? How his daddy gave him a robe or a coat of many colors, you remember? We're almost done. A coat of many colors, you remember? And that coat was just signifying the, the favor and the love of his daddy, right? But you understand when the brothers came to disrobe him, but did you realize this? When he had that coat on, he dreamt, didn't he? He dreamt, he dreamt some big dreams. He saw some things and he's like, oh, you thought that was big. The moon and the stars are gonna bow down too. I mean, he was dreaming, but those were God-given dreams because he understood the favor that was upon him. He was able to dream. When you don't have the favor, see, they couldn't dream. Daddy gave him the coat and he wore it. But isn't it cool when they ripped that coat off of him? It wasn't about what was on the outside anyway. He still went on. And with all the garbage that others tried to do to him, he fulfilled that calling in doing what? Saving his entire family as they literally bowed down to him. But the whole nation of people, he was able to save them because he, he was able to dream when he was younger because it wasn't about the outward thing. That didn't, that didn't prove the righteousness or the love. It was just an outward sign. But even when it was stripped away, he still knew in here, my daddy loves me. My daddy loves me. And so it doesn't matter what things have been stripped from you in the natural. You can't allow that to judge whether you're still in a righteous position because things will come and go. Have you noticed? But you got to know on the inside, I still have my coat. I still have my favor with my father. I'm still righteous in his eyes. But the father covered this up because that's what love does. It covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't expose it. It doesn't share it on Facebook. It doesn't call people out. It doesn't try to shame them and guilt them into submission to their filthy work. It just doesn't do it. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. We're righteous because of Jesus, not because of your performance, but righteous because of his performance. But we are tempted to live unrighteous at times and that's when we have to do what? You gotta begin to rely on your friend the helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one that comes and lifts you back up into your position of righteousness. So it's not that we're all living righteously at all times, but we're gonna to strive to. And we wanna be sons and be pleasing to the Father. So why don't you stand to your feet this morning as, as we close here. You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that whatever you've done, your Father has a robe for you to put back on today that anything that you've done that has been hindering you, anything that you've said, well, I can't because, I can't because, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done, and nobody else does either. He doesn't want everybody to know what you've done. He wants to clothe you. He wants to wrap you. Quit trying to be the hired servant and good employees because in the flesh it never works. God made it right between you and him because of his son, Jesus that you literally can walk in today because of that robe of righteousness that you have, that whatever it is that you want today, you can walk right into the very throne room of God because the veil was torn and he made a way for you to walk right into his face 
Not living through somebody else's revelation of Jesus Christ. Oh, I need you and I need you to do it. I need you to do it. No, you need to walk right into the throne room as though sin, guilt, and shame never existed. And walk right. Now, what would that cause you to be able to ask the Father? If you, if you didn't have any guilt or shame or condemnation or, or, or even a remembrance of anything that you've ever done, because he doesn't, by the way, if you've asked for forgiveness, it's gone. He's not sitting there saying, you again? And you did what again? It's not like that. What could you get done inside of you if you just walked in there wide open and weren't afraid to ask him anything and know that he would give it to you? Well, lift your hands because here's the reality, whether you feel like it or not, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't care how you feel. The truth is, is that you're clothed with righteousness and that you can walk in before your father today and say, dad, I need this. Dad, I need this. It's not confessional time. Dad, I need this. And knowing that your good father God who loves you has clothed you has covered you so that he can do it. I think some of us have blown it lately, but you need to know that Jesus removed the iniquity and he wants to clothe you and you can pull out of that account that he's put righteousness in for you. Your sin has been put into another account. Stop trying to make withdrawals from there. Withdraw from the righteousness that he's put into your account because that's how you're gonna get things done. To see your position, your sons, you can't earn it, you're not worthy but you get it anyway. Father, we love you, and I thank you, Lord, that uh, you do answer prayers. Father, that as we continue to walk in this revelation of who we really are, I thank you, Lord, that you, you begin to individually minister to each person by the power of your Holy Spirit to truly show them how you feel about them. I know they can hear scriptures. I, I know they can pray. I know they can think they can have some idea in the natural, but Father, I'm asking that supernaturally, that you would minister to them down in their spirit, man, today. Truly what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. To walk in a righteous position as sons and daughters. I'm asking you to reveal that to them right now by your Holy Spirit, Father God. That wherever we go and whatever we do, we're righteous. We're righteous. We don't have to eat the slop. We don't have to beg. We don't have to come back and be servants and work our thing. You've already worked a thing in your son, Jesus. And so I thank you, Father, that right now that you're removing the filthy garments from off of them right now in Jesus' name, all the guilt and the shame, embarrassments, condemnation, self-loathing, intimidation, fear, that all that washes away right now. And Lord, I'm asking you to literally place a garment around them right now in Jesus' name, right now to securely wrap them up in that righteousness right now, Father, by your spirit. Lord, that they would know that they know that they are righteous. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who's the comforter, that he's comforting them right now. I just saw, I just saw like a, a big whiteboard with all your stuff written on it and a big eraser. Just, just erasing that off of there. Just cleaning that board off. No, it was all there. It was real. But it wasn't God that was keeping track. It was the enemy. But we don't have an accuser anymore. He was trying to keep track of all those sins because he wanted to bring you back to that board so you could read them again. Well, we're not going back. God just erased them all. That even when he tries to bring you back, you're gonna stand there and say, what? What? You got nothing on me. 
You've got nothing on me. I just washed it clean. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, cleansed by the blood today, that the price was more than enough. Jesus paid that price in full. And Father, that we get to walk into that righteousness as Jesus traded out with us. We thank you, Father God, that we are seated at the right hand, right where we belong. These are your right hand men and women. And Father, we just thank you. You put us there. That's our seat. It has your name on it. That's our seat. Lord, we love you. We just thank you, Father God, as that continuous revelation comes this week. Father God, that we can begin to walk in that righteousness and be the people that you created us to be. And Lord, we promise to keep our eyes open for those opportunities as you place them before us to show your love to this community as we run across these people. Lord, as these what we call invisible pulpits just drop down in front of us that we would take that platform and share Jesus. Father, I thank you that we are those laborers that somebody's praying somewhere to come across somebody's path. And Father, here we are, send us. Send us, Father God. Lord, we love you. We, we look with great anticipation of how you're gonna use us this week. In Jesus' name, amen? If you said amen. Thank you for joining me for Church at the MHC Sermon of the Week. I'm your host, Pastor Don Allen. No more important title in the body of Christ than son or daughter of God. It removes all the thoughts of striving to obtain what God has for you. He's given you that robe of righteousness. Come on, you're the children of the Most High God. Act like it. He's equipped you with everything you're ever going to need. So let's go. Well, be sure to join us for church at the MHC every Sunday, 10 a.m. in person at the Midwest Healing Center, 728 North Main Street, Lori, Missouri, at the beautiful Lake of the Ozarks, or online live streaming video on the Two Guys in the Bible Facebook page. Want to sow into the ministry? TwoGuysInTheBible.com. Hit donate. Church at the MHC, where we love the hell out of your life.